Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you would, open up to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. While you're opening up, I want to share some statistics that came out that I think are very intriguing, especially in light of what we've all been going through the last 18 months. This is by the California Department of Mental Health, okay? By their study, they study people who do not have friends, do not have close friends that are basically people who are lonely a lot. Here are the statistics that they came out with. Those people are two to three times more likely to die an early death. Think about that. Two to three times more likely to die early death when you don't have close relationships. Four times more likely to suffer from emotional burnout. Four times. Five times more likely to suffer clinical depression. Five times. Ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. Ten times. And 50 times more likely to be a Minnesota Viking fan. Okay, so the last one isn't true. But the first four are true. And it's part of the reason that we're doing this series called Built Tough. We're looking at foundational areas of our life that we should be tough in, be strong in. The last two weeks, we've been looking at what it means to have strong faith in our life. Last week, we looked at strong finances. And let me give you a word of encouragement again. If you've never taken Financial Peace University, give yourself that as Christmas this year. It is the greatest investment you'll ever make financially in your life. It'll pay back 10,000 times. I promise you that one. You can go online in our app and get registered for that. Today, we're going to talk about relationships. And, and here's the deal. We understand this. But how many of you say that you would want people in your lives that are loyal? They're committed to you. How many of you say that's the kind of person you want in your life, that you want people around you that are loyal? Absolutely. Okay. How many say that you want people around you that are honest? Honest. Absolutely. That's a key one. They are committed no matter what. They never lie to you. And here's what third one. How many of you say that you want people next to you that are trustworthy? Yes. You absolutely, you can trust them in every aspect. So we say that we want those around us. Here's the question then for you and I. Does that describe us? Is that us in our lives? There's a poem that says this. I went out to find a friend but couldn't find one there. But when I went out to be a friend, they were everywhere. See, being tough is not something we want someone else to do. It's something that we need to decide for us to do. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the type of person I am is the type of people that I will attract. In fact, let me say it a different way. You will never get in life what you want. <laughs> it sounds discouraging. You'll never get in life what you want. You will always get in life who you are. That's the key. And so as we talk about being strong, what we want to do is we want to start off by looking at Proverbs 18. I'm going to have us first read it from the screen together, and then we'll look at the different versions. So if you would, read this out loud with me. He who wants to have friends must show himself friendly. So as a great prophet Michael Jackson said, let's start with the man in the mirror. And we're going to ask him to change his way. So what we're going to do starting today, and then we'll continue next week, is we're going to talk about principles on how to be strong in marriage, not just marriage, but in family and in friendships, in family and friendships. And we put the two together because, can I ask, should not our family be our 
closest friends? They should be. And yet, can we be honest? We have said things to our family members and said things to family and done things to family we would never do to a friend. Can we agree on that? Because we take them for granted. And so we're going to talk about that. So today, Pastor Jonathan and I are going to talk about three principles in being strong in this area. And then next week, Pastor Keith and Pastor Jaden will take the next three as well. So here's the first of the three principles. I encourage you to take notes. And we're going to ask it in the form of a question. Do I have staying power? Do I have staying power? Which means, am I there in the stay in or do I opt out of things? You have your Bibles open to Proverbs 18, verse 24. We read it in one version. There's other versions. The version says this, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The NIV says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The word sticks there means to adhere. It's almost like a welding process. You know, there's a lot of things that stick. Post-it notes. I love post-it notes. Okay, post-it notes stick, and you can put them on, and you put them out of everything. And so if I wanted to put these two pieces of paper together, I can stick them together through post-it notes. But as we all know, it's pretty easy to take a post-it note and to just peel it off. And when you peel it off, okay, great. Then you have no problem at all separating these two pieces of paper because that's what it does. It's easy on, it is easy off. But then there's another thing that we could use, and it's God's gift to humankind, Gorilla Tape. I love Gorilla Tape. I, I have three tools in my toolbox at home. Three tools in my toolbox, okay? A cell phone, a checkbook, and Gorilla Tape. That's all you need, all you need. Gorilla Tape's a different thing. These two put together Gorilla Tape, you're not. If you want to try to put these two in half, you're not going to. It absolutely will not give away. It is meant to be together. And that's the kind of relationship that God says we are to be. We have to have staying power like that. A newspaper in England was offering prize money for the best definition of a friend. They had a lot of definitions. I think some of these are actually really good. Here's one. A friend is one who understands our silence. I like that. I like that a lot. Another definition says, a friend is a watch which beats true for all time and never runs down. I like that one. Here's another one, a friend, one who multiplies joy and divides grief. I like that one. Here was the winner, and I think it should have won. A friend, the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Absolutely. That's the kind of relationship that we need to have staying power. You know, it's interesting that Jack Warner, who was one of the original Warner brothers of, of movie uh, fame, he died in 1978. When he died, before he died, a newspaper reporter asked him, he says, how many friends do you have? Now, think about this. This was 40-plus years ago. And at that time, he was worth $640 million 40 years ago. <laughs> That's billions of dollars a day. But yet his answer, he says, I don't have a single friend in the whole world. You know what I've discovered? You can be famous and still be friendless. You can have 1,000 friends on Facebook and still have no one to call at all. So how do you grow your staying power? If this is something we're to have so that we can attract the same things, how do you grow it? Let me give you three thoughts on how to grow your staying power. First of all, you have to choose to stay in the good and the bad. The good and the what? Now, I use the words choose to because everything in life is a choice. If you have a coin, there's a head side and there's a what? Tails. We understand that. 
In every relationship, there's the good and there's the... It's all part of it. Well, what happens here is during the bad, we do like we talk about in marriage, till death do us part. You know, when Cindy and I got married, we did just like all of you do. We gave our vows, till death do us part. And then we decided, okay, here's the deal. Two words we'll never talk about, ever. Divorce and murder. And I've given her much reason to talk about both, potentially, but we're not going to. So here's what I told her. I said, I said Cindy, if you ever leave me, I'm coming with you. Okay, that, that's, that's how it works. Do you ever remember as a child, maybe taking a flower, and you take a petal, and you go, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Am I right? I think that's the way a lot of relationships are nowadays. It's like the post-it note. Friend, unfriend. Friend, unfriend. Or if you have a favorite sports team, I'll wear the jersey when you're winning, I'll burn it when you're losing. That's the way it is a lot of times. Now, staying power in the good and the bad says... I love her, I love her, I love her, I love her because I choose to love her in the good and the bad. I love the Bible with all my heart. I do. Basic instruction before leaving earth. Every, every aspect of how to live your life in there. One of the reasons I love the Bible, it not only gives the principles, but it gives them the examples of how to live it. One of the examples I think of this journey of good and bad is Jonathan and David. Jonathan friendship with David. If you don't know the story, it's in First and Second Samuel. Great story. Jonathan's dad, King Saul. So Jonathan is next in line. He will become king. David, as you remember from when Pastor Keith talked about, was a young boy, but all of a sudden he was famous because he killed who? Goliath. And suddenly the entire nation knew him. And it says that Jonathan, the Bible says, went to David and he loved David as he loved himself. That's a good definition of a relationship. He loved him as he loved himself. And he loved David in the good. When everything was going great and, man, everybody loved David and Saul was loving David, they were great friends. But when it turned sideways and Saul wanted to kill David because that was a threat, Jonathan still stayed right there. In fact, he protected David, he watched over David, and he helped David get to it even at the cost of himself. That's, a, that's staying power in the good and the bad. Here's another way that we have to have staying power. In the short and the long haul. The short and the what? The long haul. Absolutely. Someone said this, real friends never have endings, just the journey. I like that. I like that a lot. Every marriage, every marriage is great. It's great the first week. It is because there's no wrinkles. It's in the long haul that wrinkles come up and all the imperfections and just the natural of we're all of our quirkiness and everything else. But staying power says no in the short and the long haul. In fact, I can just add this. We're not saying in the areas of abuse, okay? That's a whole other issue. We're talking about just life and just the differences that we have as human beings, okay? But in the short and long haul, one of the great biblical examples of this for me, I think, is Ruth. If you've never read her story, it's in the Old Testament. Fabulous story. Naomi is the mother-in-law. So Naomi and her husband have two sons. Ruth married one, another gal married another. Great. In the short term, everything's fun. Everything's wonderful. But all three men die, which proves that women are slowly killing men off. 
I think we can get that from God's word, okay? But, but suddenly, they're all without husbands, and Naomi tells Ruth, go back. Go back to your country because I can't take care of you. Go back. Naomi says, uh-uh, short and long. It's scripture that a lot of people have used in weddings and so forth, that where you lay, I'll lay. Where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I'll die. And man, that is staying power in the long and the short haul as well. And here's the third one. You have to choose to stay in who they are and whatever they can become. Choose to stay in who they are and whatever they can become. Solomon says this in Proverbs 17. A friend loves how often? How often? At all times. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. Here's the key. You have to focus on their future. You have to focus on their future, not where they are right now in life. You know, one of the great examples I think of the Bible, that is Barnabas. Barnabas, if you don't know him, in the book of Acts. Saul hated Christians. In fact, he was a Jew of Jews. He hated Christians. What did he do to Christians? Killed him. Chased him down, tried to kill him. He's going to do that. He gets knocked off his horse, comes to know Jesus. And suddenly, now the Jews hate him because he turned The Christians don't believe him, and he is all by himself. And Barnabas comes along. And Barnabas says, you know what? I believe in you for who you are, but I believe you for who you can become. And Barnabas takes him and disciples him. And Barnabas brings him to all the other disciples and says, listen, we can trust him. And Barnabas walks a journey. Here's what I believe with all my heart. Half the New Testament is written by Paul. I don't think it had been written if it hadn't been for Barnabas. He was a friend of staying power in what Paul was, but what Paul could become. So I tell you the best earthly example I know of this from person end, Pastor Keith. By far, by far. Ask any person on staff and they'll tell you that when Pastor Keith maybe first said, hey, I'd like you to consider being on staff. All of us said, you're crazy. No way. Uh-uh. Pastor Keith, no, I see something. And all of our church planters, so many people are in ministry day is because Pastor Keith always sees people for what they can become, never for where they are. It's a tremendous example to me in that one. How many agree that we're all a work in progress? Can we agree with that? In fact, at my funeral, I want a sign. I want a sign at my funeral. And you've already seen the sign. It says this, end of construction, thank you for your patience. (laughs) I think that's a good sign to have at a funeral. We focus on what they can become. Isn't that how God treats us? God loves us in the good and the bad, in the short and the long and who we are and what we can become. Absolutely. That's the way we should be as well. Well, I'm going to welcome Jonathan up here. And over, over the series, we're having some of our next generation pastors come and share with us. And I'm so grateful for Jonathan. He's one of our young adults pastor. And a lot of people get us confused all the time. Uh, so I appreciate you being here, bro. Thank you, Pastor Reed. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? First, before we start, I just want to say, Pastor Keith, um, I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful um, for your heart, for our generation, and really how you invest, not just in myself, but so many of us young adults. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity and how you've led us well. Thank you. Well, church, uh, Pastor, Pastor Reed was just sharing with us the first principle, right? The first principle is, do I have staying power? Am I willing to stay in, you know what I mean, when it's easy to opt out? And I'd like to talk to us this morning about the second principle, which is, am I a selfless person? Who here remembers their class pictures? Anyone? So let's be honest. Who's the first person that you look for in your class pictures? Who? 
Exactly, exactly, right? I heard a story about a first grade class that are just taking their pictures, their class pictures, and the teacher was trying to convince them to buy, to buy a copy of it. And she's like, just think about it. When you're older, you'll be able to look back and say, hey, look, there's Jennifer. She became a lawyer. Or look, there's Michael. He became a doctor. And a voice in the back just says, hey, look, and there's our teacher, and she's dead. <laughs> I, I want to come back to that, but there was, there's, a, <laughs> there's a phone company that did a survey where they monitored people's conversations. I mean, there was something very interesting that stood out to them in these conversations. There was one word that people kept coming back to within those conversations that they were monitoring. What do you guys think that word was? Right? I. I, I, we can look back so many times in conversations that we have with others, and, and we, can, we can see that most of those conversations we spend talking about ourselves rather than being a listening ear to what people, you know, need. Now, that, that just stood out to me, and I look back at my life, I'm like, man, I can be so selfish at times. But, you know, the key is that if, if, we're, if we're always just looking out for ourselves, if we're always just looking out for our wants, our desires, our troubles, we're really not going to have many friends. You know, there's something huge here that I really want us to understand, church. Every sin that we commit is rooted in selfishness. Think about it. Lust, greed, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy. And I can go on and on and on, but this thing, this thing I am certain of, that self, selfishness, selfishness is a certain highway to loneliness. I remember about six years ago, I'm from California, so um, my wife was up here, here they go, my wife was up here going to school at SDSU, and I remember one Sunday afternoon, she gave, she called me, because uh, our original plan was for us to get married, go back to San Diego. The weather's like about 60 to 70 degrees year round, and the, the winter before I got that call from my wife, I had to come to visit her, which was around December, so I knew what the winter was like. So she calls me Sunday afternoon, she had just gotten out of church, and she's like, hey, hey babe, I, I really feel like God is calling us to move to Sioux Falls. And the first thing that pops out of my head is, get behind me, Satan. I, I didn't really say it like that, but I remember looking back at that conversation. You know, everything that I said was so selfish. It was all about me. I'm like, yo, I just went to go visit you during Christmas. I know how cold it is. And first, I'm Hispanic. I don't know how many Hispanics are in Sioux Falls. And I know it's in the Midwest, but I kind of don't know where it is. I'm like, that's not happening. And I look back at that conversation, and what I said was, I, I'm not going to like it there. It's too cold. I have a job here. You know, I, I, I. But until I started changing my perspective and how I view, was viewing those things and started thinking less of what I wanted but what God wanted for our lives in our marriage, things started changing. And now fast forward, we've been here six years and we, knew, we know without a shadow of a doubt that this is where God wanted us. I'd, li I'd like for you guys to read after me Philippians 2.4. It says, do not be interested in only your own life, but be interested in the life of others. It's been said, you can make more friends in a month by being interested in them than you will in 10 years trying to get them to be interested in you. That's powerful. So as we talk, as we talk today about these principles that will help us be built tough in family and friends, I'd like to talk about three things to grow your selflessness. And the first one is focus on giving, never getting. You know, a mother once was preparing breakfast for her two kids and as you can imagine, the two kids were arguing of who was going to get pancakes first. They kept on arguing, and the mom saw an opportunity as a teaching moment. So she sits them both down and says, okay, if Jesus was here, what would he do? So she says, you know what? I think that Jesus would say, 
you know, I'll let my brother have the first pancake. To which the older brother tells the younger brother, well, you go ahead and be Jesus. <laughs> but but how, how many times, and that story is so true, so many times we want to be on the receiving end and not the giving end. And I think a lot of the times that can be our posture when we come to church is we come with this attitude of what can I get instead of what can I give? And I think that's so important because when we surrender our lives, when we come to know Jesus, it's not about what we can get, it's about what we can give. Jesus himself said, I came not to serve but to be served. And so I, myself, I can get caught up so many times in what, it, what am I going to get out of this? But God is really trying to work within our hearts to be like, okay, how can you lay your life down for what I want to do in you? Acts 20, 35 says, you're far happier giving than getting. The second thing is, make them look big by making yourself small. But can I be honest? This is a thing that the world tells us the opposite. The world tells us it's all about you. How can you get better? How can you climb the corporate ladder? And always focus on us and not others. And the thing that I've been learning as I've had people disciple me and mentor me and help me grow in my walk with God, I've realized this, that it's not about achieving, but it's about becoming. How can I become who God has called me to be? When so many times I can spend my life trying to achieve this and achieve that, but it's about becoming who God has made me to be. You know, I heard it said like this, a big person makes you feel even bigger when you're in their presence. And I'd like to ask you, I'd like to ask you this, is that something that you do? Do we make others around us even bigger than ourselves? Do we honor them as they should? Because it shouldn't be difficult for us to give our best to others. But I feel that sometimes we give them our worst. We don't, we don't give them everything that we can give them. And I've been so guilty that I've been caught up in that so many times. But I think that's why more than ever we have to be so intentional about how we love others. And like I said, how we honor them and how we pour into them. So it becomes just who we are and not something that we have to do. Amen. Because the fact that it's not about thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. And the third thing is focus on their person and not their problems. And this one is really huge for me. I believe that the key in this is learning to overlook people's shortcomings. As, as a human being, we can get so caught up in, well, they're doing this or that. Every morning when I wake up, I ask God, God, allow me to see people how you see people. Because I want to see people how Jesus sees me, sees me loved, forgiven, accepted. And that's, that's how I want to view people. So can you please read this passage with me? It'll be up on the screen, Colossians 3, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It says, and forgive who? And, uh, before, that says, forgive anyone, Right? Anyone, that's everyone. But I think sometimes we can get caught up in only wanting to forgive the ones that are our friends or when it's convenient for us. But the fact of the matter is, church, is that God never called us to try to fix people. It's, it's never been our job or responsibility to try to fix people. It's been our job to love one another. And then through that, allow God to do what only he can do. Amen. But sometimes we can get so caught up in wanting to play the role of the Holy Spirit where we miss out on what God can do. Because through that love, God will do something. So I just want to encourage us in that as we're walking with people and doing life, how are we loving them? How are we letting them know we honor them? 
Because here's the deal, church. Do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Because if you want to be right, it's always going to be about you. It's always about what can I get out of this? How is this convenient for me? But if it's about you being rich, then put your investment in others and you'll see the unbelievable return that that will give you. Thomas Jefferson once said this, a candle loses nothing when it lights up another candle. And that's so true. We heard Pastor Reed quote this earlier. He said, I went out to find a friend, but there were none there. But when I went out to be a friend, there were everywhere. And I think that's so important as we change our minds and our perspective of how do I view that. So the first principle we talked about is do I have staying power? Am I willing to stay in no matter what happens? The second one is am I a selfless person? Am I willing to surrender my life? Am I willing to give my life up? And then the third one we want to talk about this morning is, can I keep a secret? You know, Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a true friend will always keep a secret. I heard it said like this once. I can keep a secret. It's just the ones that I tell that I can't. You know, I heard, about, I heard this story, and this is one of my favorite stories, about three college roommates. And they were, they were in their dorm, dorm, and they were like, hey, guys, we just want to become closer and be more real with each other. And then one of them tells the other two, hey, guys, why don't we talk about what's that one thing What's that one thing that we struggle the most? And we can be real and honest with each other. So he's, I'll go first. And he says, you know, my, my biggest problem is greed. He's like, I have an out-of-control love for money. So the other two guys are like, well, okay, this is getting serious. Like, okay, what am I going to say? So then the second one says, you know what? I have a problem with lust. For some reason, I, I can't keep my eyes off of women. And so the third one's just, just thinking, okay, what am I going to say? And then so he goes, guys, I, I, I need to confess this. I have a problem with gossip. And I can't wait to get home. <laughs> but, but why is it, church? And I want to come back to this, that any time that we have something or someone tells us something or something that we know, why do we then feel like that we have this power or authority that, hey, I have something? And I think any time that's our heart, we really have to look deep within. I've heard Pastor Keith say this so many times, but the unexamined life is not worth living. If we're constantly looking out and, and, and looking at people but not looking at ourselves, there's a problem there. You know what I mean? So in that, I've heard it says, great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about things. Little people talk about other people. Again, I want to ask you, which one are you? Because the fact is, the quickest way to kill any friendship or, friend, or, any friendship or family is through gossip. Charles Spurgeon once said, he who throws dirt will always lose ground. And man, was he right. Solomon said in Proverbs 16, he said, gossip separates the best of friends and families. So this morning, church, I want to give you two, two key truths concerning gossip. I'll tell you the first one, and then Pastor Reed will come up and tell you the second one. But the first one is, if you're spreading it, stop it. Can you please look to the person to your left and just tell them, stop it? Look to the person to your right and then tell them, stop it. You know, when we, we teach our kids that to stop spreading germs, what do you need to do? You need to cover your mouth when you sneeze or cough, correct? That should be the same when it comes to gossip. Cover your mouth. Don't spread your germs. So if you have something to say, just go like this, talk like this, so I can't understand. You sound a lot better doing that than talking about someone. Please finish this quote with me. I know a lot of us have heard it. If you don't have something nice to say, 
But I think the thing that we need to say is, if you don't have anything nice to say, think of something nice to say. If we look for the bad in people, we will always find it. So instead, let's look for the good in people. Just as Jesus has always seen the good in me. And in each and every one of us. And that should be the posture of our heart every time. Proverbs 18.21 says, Those who love to talk will experience the consequences. So church, this morning I just ask you, before you have the urge or the want to say something that you heard, or you, you know what I mean, that you were in and you want to tell somebody else, before you have that urge and you go out and do it, just do this for me. Think. First, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it in the best interest of the other person? Is it a necessity? Is it necessary for you to tell this person that? And the last one is, is it kind? Is just because someone tells you something doesn't mean that it's true or right. You know, Abraham Lincoln had a favorite riddle that he would tell people when they would want to tell him something about someone else. He said, if a man were to call a tail of a dog a leg, how many legs would the dog have? Naturally, people would say, well, it would have five. But no, they were wrong. Abraham Lincoln would then respond and say, the dog still has four legs. Calling the tail a leg doesn't make it, it doesn't make it one. Church, I want to say this again. Just because someone tells you something or wants to tell you something, it does not mean that it's true. It does not mean that it's right. So if I can just ask if anything today is, if you're going to do anything behind someone's back, try patting it. Pastor Reed. So if you're spreading it, stop it. If someone else is spreading it, silence it. Let me use another word, smother it. Don't smother them, smother it. If you have a fire and you want to try to keep it from going, you want to do something, you want to try to keep it away from oxygen. If you want to have a fire grow, the more air it has, the more it grows. The same is true with gospel. In fact, it's interesting, the book of James says that the tongue is a fire that can go out of control. And so that's a key for us. So if you're around something, smother it. If you had a fire, you'd put some kind of things on it. Here's a couple ways that you can smother it or silence it. Number one, if you're around someone and they're gossiping and that person's not in the room, obviously, you say, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Have you talked to this person about that? Because the Bible says very clearly, if you have something against someone else, go talk to them first. That's what you do first. Have you talked to them about it? Well, I haven't. Okay, hang on a second. Pull up your phone, dial the person, put on speaker and say, great, we're here together. Go ahead and now share whatever you want. That'll smother it quickly. And you and I have to do that. Here's what Proverbs 18.8 says. The words of a gossip are like tasty bits of food. People like to gobble them up. Man, is that true? Sometimes you see tabloids and you go, who buys this? But people do. Otherwise, they wouldn't be printing them. You know, one of my favorite stories about understanding gossip and its effect was a woman who had been gossiping against her pastor, and she came and confessed to him and said, I'm sorry, I apologize. And he said, I, I forgive you, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And it was a little bit of a windy day. He said, I want you to go home, and I want you to take a feather pillow. I want you to take it out into an open area, cut it open, and let all the feathers out. And when you've done that, come back. She thought that was an odd request, but she said, okay, I'll do that. And so she did. 
She came back and he says, okay, one last thing I want to ask you. I want you to now go and I want you to pick up all the feathers and put them back in the pillow. She said, well, of course I can. He said, absolutely true. I forgive you, but here's the reality. You can't get back what you said. And can I remind his friends that God will hold us accountable for everything? This is what he says in Matthew, Matthew 12. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. That's from God's word. You know, it's interesting, Exodus 23 says it this way. Stay clear of false accusations. Don't contribute to the death of innocent and good people. Can we agree that more people have been killed by words than any other instrument? Absolutely. You know, Mildred was the church gossip. And no matter what people try to do, they could not keep her from that. And one time she was in a smaller meeting and she accused Henry, who was in that meeting, of being a drunk because she had seen his pickup truck just a few spots down from where the bar was. He said, I just parted, the, I, that's not where I went. He said, no, nah, I understand, it's that, it's, we all know what's going on. Well, Henry didn't say a word, but that night what he did is he did go over to her house. She was a single older woman. He drove his pickup to the house and parked it there overnight and he walked home. <laughs> and he smothered it, absolutely. See, according to the Bible, if we hear gossip and we don't do anything about it, we're as guilty as the person who's done it. James 4.17 says it this way. Anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is sinning. So, built tough in our friendships, in our family. Here's the questions we've been asking. Do you have staying power, really? Or do you go in and out of relationships, depending upon how they're treating you at the point in time? Are you selfless? Or are you thinking about yourself? Can you keep a secret? Let me ask you this. Does the world have those three qualities? Is the world, does the world have staying power? No. <laughs> Man, friend for a day. Is the world selfless? No, not at all. Does the world keep a secret? No. We need to be different than the world. Here's how it says in Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We're to live different than the world. Let's finish where we started. The kind of person you are is the kind of person you'll attract. So, which of these three do you and I need to work on this week? Do you have to work on your staying power? As you look back on relationships, have you been in for a day, out for a day, depending upon what was going on? Are you, are you the type of person for the long and the short, the good and the bad for where they are, but what they can become? Are you that type of person or is that the area you need to work on? How about selfless? Is that the area you need to work on? Or has it been, if you're honest, it's been about you and I hurt my feelings and this was inconvenience for me and everything else? Is that the area for you? How about secret? Can you keep a secret or is that an area you go, I need to work on that? See, God wants us to be strong, strong. It shows the world that we serve someone different other ourselves. Father God, I say thank you for your word and that it's true in every situation. God, would you forgive me when I've not had staying power? God, would you forgive me for the way too many times I've been selfish, not selfless? God, would you forgive me when I haven't kept a secret? But God, I want to say thank you 
that you've been all those to us. God, that you have stayed with us. Man, you were selfless, sending your son to die for us. God, you've kept our innermost secrets, our confessions. You've held those tight to you. God, thank you for that. Help us to be people that are different than the world. Help us be people that are like you. We love you. We adore you. And God's people said. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.